<coughs> hey. Hey, you. Did you know that it took Walt Disney exactly 30 feet to finish a hot dog, which is why every trash can in Disneyland Park is spaced specifically 30 feet away? Did you know that the skull on the bed in Pirates of the Caribbean is actually a real skull? Did you know that we have a Patreon? <laughs> well, check it out. You can find it in the links inside the episode descriptions or at our official website. It's a great way to support the show and even get yourselves shouted out at the end of every month. It really helps us out, and we are eternally grateful to each and every one of you that supports us. But for now, honestly, I really hope you just enjoy this episode. We're started, so here we are. <laughs> All right. What's up, everybody? Um, much, much to the contrary of the statement I posted on Instagram in anticipation of having like a seven-day hangover, um, I actually am sober and have regained my voice, and I'm back from uh, – I saw the face God. of God at mm. Gillette Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible. It was literally the best night of my life. Um, yeah, I was at Taylor Swift. I was at the Eras tour. It was, it was awesome. So if I'm sounding a little raspy still, that no, would be good. why. Um, but, but it's we, well earned. So earned. Yeah. So much the best night of my life. I love that it rained. I just want you to know that like every single like thing that I've seen for that, I just, I love that it continued in the rain. It just it's one poured. of my favorite things. It just went on. It just poured and poured and poured. I've never seen rain like this in my life. And it was just so cool, just like dancing and singing and letting so loose because it was so wet. It was just like mm. you, there was just it was kind of like this really nothing matters environment of like it yeah. was. <laughs> I I left it all on the floor of Gillette Stadium, you guys. <laughs> like I took every all all of my my mental health issues are resolved. <laughs> She's basically a patriot now. She's left it all on the field. It's all on the field. No, I, I left it all at Gillette. It was. Uh, <laughs> It was truly incredible. So, uh, but I am here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Scott will be editing this episode in a very quick fashion because I really didn't have a voice. Like two days ago, I sent Scott a voice memo and I was like, the fact that you thought we were going to record this week. And it was like, oh, yeah. I was like, bless your heart. <laughs> it was, I had nothing left. No. Um, but anyway, we're back. We're doing Hunchback of Notre Dame tonight. But before we dive into that, we do have some kind of housekeeping and feedbacky stuff that we wanted to jump on. Um, so housekeeping first, Scott, do you want to tell the tell the people about the the special yeah. we're going to have coming up? Our little our little behind the time or behind the scenes thing. So I realized we're coming up on our two year anniversary. Hey, we are. We are. It's very exciting stuff going on over here, and um, I realized that we've never done just a uh, not really like a Q and a, but like a get to know Lindsay and I. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a, uh, hosts of the timeline special. That's going to be a Patreon exclusive for a little bit. Uh, and then we will start working on getting that out in snippets to you guys on Instagram. Uh, we are discussing starting up TikTok. 
Um, but that's probably going to be a little bit more work than I think either of us anticipate right now. So I just need a minute to get my head around it. Um, <laughs> yeah. that. And I've just been really, really busy, as you guys know. But uh, <clears throat> so, um, but there's a lot of exciting stuff coming up. And send us your feedback. And and speaking of that, we do have some feedback. So uh, we've got a couple of requests that we want to shout out. Um, Ben, who's our newest Patreon, who we appreciate immensely, uh, wants to request 10 Things I Hate About You, which, Ben, that one is absolutely on the timeline, and it's coming up soon. So I think we're going to leave it where it is on the timeline, but mm-hmm. we will be getting to 10 Things I Hate About You in not too long. What was the year on that one? Um, 99. 99. Yeah, so we're Actually, not too far away. 10 Things I Hate About You starts 99. And if you guys thought we were hyped about 95... <laughs> Holy 1999 shit, was the greatest year yeah. of anyone's life. 1999 is the year that a fucking like full on like gospel choir sang "Ba What a Ba" at the MTV Music Awards and changed lives. Like that 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 was that was the time to be alive. That was a year of like Britney Spears and Eminem, and we'll talk about 99. But yes, Ben, we're going to do 10 Things I Hate About You, and we'll do it. We'll do it in line with the timeline because we're just a couple of years off. So that request yeah. is absolutely granted. Um, and then we've got a couple of requests from our listener, listener Michael. We also appreciate immensely. Um, Michael says, hi, you two. First off, you guys are great. Thank you. Um, thank you. Enjoy your podcast so very much and look forward to your episodes. Again, thank you. This is like so – I love getting feedback like this. Um so he says, would you ever be interested in doing an episode on Big Trouble in Little China? I love that movie and how wild, bizarre, and hilarious it is. What about Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead? Please tell me when 1997 comes around, you'll be doing The Fifth Element. Anyway, keep up the good work. You're fantastic. I wish I could support you via Patreon um, <laughs> and things, but but Mike do be a little broke, so that's okay. No, Those that's, of you who that's can. That's totally fine, dude. Yeah. yeah just to let you guys know, too, because I did just let Lindsay know this. I realized I never told her, but I did just change the pricing on Patreon, so the starting one is like $2. It used to be 3 I moved everything. I moved a bunch of stuff around. Um, but yeah, actually, it's ironic that you say that because Fifth Element is actually coming up after our next movie, which is Independence Day. So it's right around the corner, man. Yeah, yeah. because we're going to do Across the Spider-Verse. We're going to review that one. Yes, we are. Because for those who listen to the Spider-Man review, uh, you guys know, and fight me, (laughs) Spider-Verse is the best superhero movie. Outside of Infinity War Endgame, Spider-Verse is the best one, and it is the best Spider-Man movie fight me so we're going to be reviewing across the spider-verse and and by reviewing i mean i will be gushing about mm-hmm. across the spider-verse so we're going to have in uh this episode <coughs> this episode and then spider-verse we'll then this, independence then day independ- uh this or we're gonna have, let me try this again yeah. we're gonna have this episode then we're gonna have across the spider-verse then, then we're, we're gonna, gonna have, have independence, independence day. day and then it's fifth element yeah so absolutely fifth element all yours no questions there mm-hmm. um and i think we can absolutely work in some temp pad action for big trouble in little china and tell mom don't tell mom that don't tell mom. Yeah. so we can totally make that happen uh we yeah. will work on where that falls in the schedule and and pull out the temp pad and get those in there for you so thank you so much for that and then we also have 
um, an absolute ton of awesome feedback from Gordon and time. Oh, I've read this like three times, by the way. I loved everything about this. The the shit that that Gordon knows about Universal Studios and the rides that appeared there. I fuck. We have like a dissertation to read yeah. out from Gordon, so we're gonna read that out before the Spider Verse episode. Um, and keep us moving tonight. But just thank you guys so much. I'm so excited to to be getting all this feedback and requests and things like that. You know, support us on Patreon, follow us on the socials, send us your thoughts, send us what you want to see different from the podcast going into year three and and probably season four. At some point we should probably roll the season over. <laughs> we, just, I, we just go in and we just like didn't we never found like a logical I, stopping point. Just I said it at the beginning of season three. Um this is the season of the nineties. This stops when the nineties stop. And for Which those of you who are keeping track, <laughs> the nineties for us stops on toy story two. Wow. Which is a good, what is this? That's 16 movies away. Yeah. I th- and, uh, so a new feature that we'll add, I think is to have the timeline itself up on the Patreon. So if you yeah. guys want to see what actually is scheduled, and and send thoughts about what you'd like to see uh support us on patreon and we'll put that for any level and you guys can see the full timeline because we have this thing built out all the way up to um i think 2021 2023 oh well, no, no but I'm those are movies yeah, we, we did already, already. i'm such a dumbass the last movie that's on the timeline is black widow and black widow that's when we yeah. picked up starting to do stuff like the the really big Marvel movies and stuff like actually doing them because after yeah. that is like Shang-Chi. So um, mm. in any case, support us on Patreon if you want to see the full timeline and everything that we have planned and, and always send us feedback. If you guys want us to add stuff, you guys want us to back up, super here for it. Um, and with that. What are we here for tonight? Yeah, we're here for the Hunchback of Notre Dame. And I want to I want to throw this out there before we get started. Like. We're not going to, like, completely tear this movie a new one. <laughs> but, like, neither of us close. like this very much. And, like, yeah, and it's not, like, it's not, it's not, like, deeply, horribly offensive like Pocahontas was, where it's just, like, yeah. okay, I can't find, like, redeemable qualities in this. It's not, we're not there, but we just don't like it very much and i just want to say that off front because i know there's a lot of people who do like gordon said in his feedback like oh I, he's like i'm so excited like you're gonna it hate sounds this, like you guys are not yeah. like, i'm like yo um and i was listening to um the it's neat pod just did this one so shout out to those guys uh and you can check them out on like their insta and stuff we were, we're all friends on the in the yeah. social sphere but i was listening to their episode on this and they like those girls love it and i'm like man i so I just want to give like a PSA, like I guess trigger warning. If you're like really, really love yeah. Hunchback, that's not the episode you're walking into. It um, I want you guys to know when we talk about what's coming up on the timeline, we do. We're not just like that's a cool movie. Let's do that. It genuinely is like, did this have an impact on pop culture? Was this of some kind of like social or cultural? um like awakening or and then sometimes anything it's like that. Muppet Treasure Island. And then sometimes it's just Muppet Treasure Island and fuck you guys we're doing what we want. But <laughs> <laughs> um I I said it very early on when we were discussing this portion of the timeline that because of everything that we did with Pocahontas and all of the historical and cultural impacts that that movie provided, it would be morally wrong for us not to do the Hunchback of Notre Dame. 
Yeah, this was not one that, despite not liking it, that I ever considered skipping. Whereas, yeah. like, I could give a fuck about whether the, the fact that we skipped, like, Oliver and Company. I, I really am, like, yeah, sorry, not Dumbo, sorry. Yeah, all that well, stuff. Dumbo, she could have skipped like, Never yeah, Ending Story, too, right. but, like. Well, all right. If I had known you a little better, I probably would have told you to fuck off. But I suffered it. <laughs> You know, oh, what a time to be alive! I, but yeah, yeah. Now, so, we, we've known each other a little longer, Scott, than when that went mm-hmm. on the timeline. Yeah, no, that's fine. To set a boundary. That's, I'm totally okay with that. Now just she's like just like, I'm going to be sick me. that weekend. You call Matt; he'll be in on just this. Be like, I'm not available. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I mean, we're we're not going to shit on of, it. I won't be on Independence. I know. I was going to say she's not going to be here for fucking Independence Day. It's going to no, be bad because it's, it's my birthday. It's birthday. I don't have a problem with Independence Day. Yeah. Anyway, she's not allowed to be here for her birthday. She's going to go do fun shit. I am. I'm turning. Um. You know. I I a strong air quotes twenty seven this year so get soaked <laughs> an extreme you. an extreme air quotes, air quotes. Of yeah. twenty seven because like I'm just spray like, painted behind her cranking the clock back a decade <laughs> we got the temp pad we can do it yeah exactly um, I can do whatever I want I can be twenty seven yeah, if I want to be twenty seven fuck it um but yeah like we're not gonna we're not gonna be shitting on the movie but I will tell you guys that there are parts of this movie that I struggled with there are parts of this movie that I do somewhat enjoy and ironically enough we haven't talked about this in a while but my all-time favorite Disney motivational quote is actually from this movie so I don't think I could quote one line I didn't I didn't like it what's the quote that you like uh life's not a spectator sport if watching is all you're gonna do then you're gonna watch your life go by without you oh that's kind of nice yeah, it's what uh, one of the it's what Hugo says to him before he jumps, and he's like, "I'll join everybody." <laughs> and then, well, okay, all right, let's get into it because here we are. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> so goddamn it, Disney, why can't you get it together? Is it time for Hercules? Like, no. Like, no. is it Bugs Life? No. All right, we'll do Hunchback. <laughs> we'll do Hunchback, <laughs> a historical piece, if you will, <laughs> but not really. Uh, it um. It did massively underperform at the box office, but it has yeah. quite a cult cult following since then um, as like an underdog Disney movie. Um, but yeah, it, I, like you said in here, leaps and bounds behind Treasure Planet even, which I yeah. cannot tell you that I've really seen that one. I'm kind of looking forward to getting to that See, that's, movie. That's the whole point, though, is like I would I would never have put this above movies that people are just like, that's a trash movie. Like treasure planet or atlantis but every time we do a disney movie in this portion of the year i do have to remind you guys that this is when the renaissance is coming to a close Mm -hmm. and people are kind of over the drawn animation we now have toy story we know that shit can happen now yeah and it's disney is continually and consistently underperforming at the box office and i think this was probably one of the biggest underperformers until we get atlantis this movie, weirdly, is one that I have like a really, really clear memory of seeing in theaters. Um, I don't think I ever did. I think uh, <coughs> I think I have the most clear memory of seeing this in theaters of all the Renaissance films. When I was getting older, mm. is, is why. Um, except for Beauty and the Beast, which I remember after because I had to be taken home because I was too scared. I had to leave the theater in Beauty and the Beast. Fair. Um, but I remember seeing this one with my mom and my sister, and I remember it being the first movie ever 
that I did not like. Like that I felt like a fully formed adult enough. You're to, like, I hated this. <laughs> well, because we got to think at this point in our lives, like, right, I'm already have a crush on Leonardo DiCaprio. Like I'm an adult now, right, right going into yeah. this movie. And uh, this is the first thing I ever remember, like, seeing in theaters and watching mm-hmm. and coming out and being like, I did not like it. And my mom didn't like it. I remember that really clearly that we both came out of this and we're just like, what the fuck, Disney? Yeah, like, I remember that moment with her of just like, what happened? What's going yeah. on? Why can't I, see, you get it together? Is it time for Hercules yet? Like, what's yeah. going on? I feel like that's, which is ironic because the next Disney movie is actually Mulan. It's not even Hercules. No, <laughs> I think it's Hercules. No, it's uh, oh, it is Hercules. Oh, you're right. I'm an idiot. I don't know why because yeah. like Anastasia wasn't a Disney movie yet. Just shit together. Hercules is ninety seven. Mulan's in ninety eight. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, Boys. But yeah, that I know. <laughs> I don't even know why I tried. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's get let's get uh let's get barreling forward here. Um, uh, directed by Gary Truesdale and Kirk Wise, the film was written by Tab Murphy based on the book by Victor Hugo. This is the one name I actually am going to tell you guys. I don't know how to pronounce this. Starring Tom. It's either Hulse or Holche. I'm pretty sure that's Hulse. I'm pretty sure it's Hulse. Yeah. Uh, as Quasimodo, Tony Fay or Tony J as Frollo, Demi Moore as Esmeralda, and I don't know why this is regrettably because I do think this is funny. Um, Jason Alexander as Hugo, aka the worst thing in the world, according to Lindsay regrettably because he because it exists regrettably because it's happening at all and also because what horrific miscasting and what a weird element of the movie. just regrettably just hugo is all around regrettable in this film yeah i suppose that's fair uh and music and score composed by alan mankin our main man for disney Which, like oh my god okay like i we're gonna we're gonna talk about all of it mm-hmm. so tell me what this is about Taken as a baby and locked away atop Notre Dame by the evil zealot Frollo, Quasimodo dreams of letting down his hair and escaping his tower. <laughs> Frollo claims the society won't accept Quasi because of his looks, and god damn it, he was right. Everybody <laughs> hates Quasimodo and treats him like shit. Everybody except Esmeralda, who's nice to him but doesn't love him back. He's her riot or die anyway, and with the help of Captain Phoebus, ugh, they... <laughs> They yeah. save the money because, oh, yeah, most of the plot is about their persecution and Quasimodo is just kind of here. Yeah, that was like that was the first fucking thing that I realized, like halfway through this movie. I was like, he's not really a part of this. OK, so you can stream this obviously on Disney Plus mm-hmm. um, and let's dive into 1996. Let's go to the timeline. Boom, let us go. So yeah, it's 1996. I feel like I didn't hear about this as far as historical context, but mad cow disease hits the UK. And Did you not like you don't remember that? I remember people joking about it. I don't remember it being like a big deal. Yeah, it was like a thing. Yeah, that's insane um, to me. Mad cow and like foot and mouth or whatever the difference is between the two. Mm. When I was first in the UK in oh two thousand. So mm. little little ways after this, four years after this. Yeah. There was another outbreak of it, and I remember that we couldn't eat like bacon. 
and Oof. beef and stuff. We like couldn't yeah. eat when we were out there. Um, yeah, so mad cow disease. And then also in the UK, staying along those same lines, the Spice Girls are number one with Let's wannabe. Let's go. And while, while the Eras tour was, of course, unequivocally my best <laughs> concert, without question, my first concert uh, was the Spice Girls. I actually, I think maybe I don't know my shit. First, That's awesome. It was either Spice Girls or Blink-182, and I think we saw them the same year. But anyway, um, The Hunchback of Notre Dame came out in, in this year, and uh, it has a 71% on the tomato meter and a 70% audience score, and i got to say that's about right. Yeah. Um, the fact that they're pretty even, I think, also says a lot about everybody I know's reaction to the movie. They were like, yeah, this is exactly, you know, it's just one of those movies where everybody agreed. Like, yeah. Yeah, the Renaissance is starting to tank super hard after Lion King in 94. By 96, things are looking grim. Yeah. Great. If you like this movie, which a lot of people will do for reasons. So, anyway, for the short episode is a half an hour in and we're just to the Oscars. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Braveheart wins Best Picture in 96. I know. Hunchback was nominated in 97 for Best Music, Original Music. Or comedy score, but lost to Emma. Okay, you sucked at reading that. I no, I'm just confused. No, it won for two. Oh, I it did. It was nominated for two awards. It was nominated for best music and oh no, you're right. God, I can't. This award it keeps coming up with the Disney movies, and it's hard to read. It is best yeah. music or best. Uh, Best music, original musical, or comedy score. Which, like, I think it's because comedy is thrown in there, and it's like, why the fuck is that part of that? It's like part of the best music because there's best music, best score, best music, best yeah. original song, best music, original musical or comedy score. That's yeah. so anyway, that's hard to read. But yeah, it lost to Emma, it did. which is like really weird. Um, yeah. But I apropos, mean, because that's what Clueless is based on. We did that episode not too long ago. Very, very true. Very, very true. Um, I will say this now bec- before we get into it, but Alan Menken has said that this is his favorite score he's ever done. So it's unsurprising to me that this would have been up for an Academy Award for music. It objectively is very good. Yeah. It has its moments. It's a good score, but it's not to my taste. It's not to my liking, as they taught me to say in elementary school. Very true. I I actually will agree with that phrasing. Um, Emmy winners is ER and Frasier, one of my favorite comedies of all time. Uh, And top grossing... Independence Day. Like, why are you even trying? Yeah. It was Independence Day by a mile. Um, so now we are into the part where I felt we were morally obligated to do this movie. Uh, and it actually kind of blows my mind that there was no cultural or like impact warning like we had with Pocahontas and we've had with Fantasia. There was no warning for this at all, except uh, where are my notes? Uh, tobacco warning. There's a tobacco warning on this. Did Pocahontas have a full screen warning? Yes, it did. And I read it out loud. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, this movie absolutely should have um, for its. I thought Pocahontas didn't. Yeah. Aladdin had the full screen warning, but Pocahontas Mm -hmm. does not. And that's what that's what I thought. So, like, I'm with you that I'm surprised that this one doesn't. And I'm really surprised that Pocahontas doesn't. And I think that this one lacks the full screen warning for the exact same reason as as Pocahontas lacking it, which is that the movie, like the message of the movie overall is a positive one. 
this movie does a way better job of it than Pocahontas did. Um, for reasons, go listen to me rant about that for two hours on the Pocahontas episode. <laughs> but um, but but they're overall, it's like the the negative depictions are supposed to be bad as opposed to something like Aladdin where that's not part of the plot. Or yeah, that's like, supposed that's to be like how the story. world is or whatever. Yeah, it's just how the world is being presented. Whereas in this, it's it's being presented as a bad thing. Like the whole thing is about justice, Esmeralda's screaming it. Like it's a it's about that. And the same with mm-hmm. Pocahontas. So I think that's why it lacks the warning. Yeah. Uh, but I agree with you that it's kind of weird not to see it or some version of it in the movies yeah. that directly deal with it. This movie actually deals with it pretty okay. Like I, mm-hmm. we're going to get into it. I'm not going to this I did not have a I don't have any problem with the way that this movie deals with it. He is or there is some presence in the park for this, but again, it's it's a lot like one of the other stuff we've run into at this point. Not, very few Renaissance movies actually got rides. In fact, I don't think any of them did. No, I don't think they did either. I think they all have live shows and yeah. characters and tons of merch, but no rides. Yeah, so Esmeralda showed up in a parade celebration titled Festival of Fools in the late 90s, but has since disappeared from the parks altogether. Uh, Weirdly, however, Frollo is constantly popping up. Really? As a villain, like he he's in Fantasia as one of the villains trying to destroy Mickey, trying to destroy Mickey's dreams. I mean, he's a really good villain. He's really he is a really I good like villain. A lot. Yeah. I, I have a lot to say about him. I don't actually mm-hmm. hate hate this movie. I just like I don't know. Once you get into it, I'm like, yeah, but there's all this stuff is really good. But like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's he's good. He's a really good bad guy. Like, he is kind of the redeeming part of this movie. To be honest, he's a really intriguing bad guy. So like, I could see that he's yeah. very menacing. Like, um, and there is a sequel. Yeah, but nope, I refuse. Sorry, I drew, yeah. that's my boundary. Mm-hmm. Not doing it. I'll watch every other sequel ever fucking made for you guys, but <laughs> this one was not on the list. I had like, uh, I mean, to be fair, I, she did watch Pocahontas Two: Journey to a New World. So. I did. I watched Pocahontas Two, you guys, but I couldn't do it for this one. I couldn't get it up for Hunchback. But you know what? I think had it been any other time in my life, I may have. But it was like yeah. right before eras. Like I had other. Th- the fact that I am here at all. I know. I had I shit to do, so I did not watch The Hunchback of Notre Dame too. <laughs> I don't even know what happens in it. I think I think Quasimodo gets a girlfriend. I'm pretty sure he gets a girlfriend, and it's I some like Baker girl. Believe that that, and she's blonde, and yeah, because they probably watched this and were like, "Wow, we kind of gave him the shittiest end of the stick on story wise." He gets fucked. Quasimodo is like, all right, you so- don't even know what happens to him at the end of this, anyway. Yeah, there's a sequel. We didn't watch it, but we're gonna jump into the actual fucking movie now. Are we still in the timeline? Sweet <laughs> we God, are. yeah, get out of here. Um, I like to kick us off with a section I'm calling Jeffrey Katzenberg would like an Oscar. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. He would. This is, uh, at this point it's just embarrassing. I like, I genuinely, I just think it's embarrassing for him. Like he just keeps putting all of his eggs in the Academy Awards basket. But the wrong basket, right? Like if they had put maybe the right campaign, the right Oscar campaign for Lion King. Like that's where I'm yeah. like, that's where you should have focused. And it's like, yeah. they were pulling people off of Lion King to work on Pocahontas because they thought Pocahontas was going to be, gonna the, be the big one. Beauty and the yeah. Beast, right? They're chasing Beauty and the Beast because it got the big nomination because the only films ever to get only animated films ever to be nominated for best picture 
are Beauty and the Beast, Toy Story 3, and Up, mm-hmm. which is a very high-class company to be in um, yep. if you're an animated film. But it does speak volumes that they're all Disney, too. So Yeah, by then, Toy Story 3 was produced by i still kind of i'm like if they made it in emeryville i don't really call it a disney movie when it comes to that kind of classification because that was made by stoners in emeryville not by by katzenberg yeah this this a lot like pocahontas is his next shot at like a big fancy pants serious animated movie trying to get that oscar um and very similar to Pocahontas. There's a lot of the problems with this movie are are really similar to Pocahontas, like the Mm -hmm. tonal shifts, like the inconsistency of the tone of the movie. Yeah. It's um, even like you even see it in Esmeralda the first time that you see her. It's like, okay, I get it. Esmeralda is supposed to be like the good symbol of hope and justice. And she, Quasimodo is immediately smitten with her and, when the riot starts and Phoebus comes in, like she helps him. But then like, if you pay attention, she still calls him the creature. She doesn't call him the guy or this man or whatever. So it's like, I and like at some points it's supposed to be funny. And then at other times I'm like, this is so fucking dark. And it's, it's really hard to nail down what the actual point of this, you know what it is. And I, this is just Pocahontas in a different city in a different part of the world, because I said the same fucking thing about Pocahontas that they couldn't figure out how funny it was supposed to be. And that's why they had the raccoon sword fighting with the hummingbird and stealing all the, yeah, Miko and flit stealing all the cherries from Percy while he was bathing. And then we have the same thing with the fucking gargoyles who I'll get into it later, but the gargoyles are the tonal problem in this, though. Yeah. They, they are the Miko and Flit of the movie. But here's here's the crucial difference. If I had to rewatch one of those two movies, you can bet your ass it would be problematic as fuck Pocahontas. And the reason for that is that I like Miko and Flit. Yeah. I want to die every time I see those gargoyles. And it's not just the cast, that horrible, offensive miscasting yeah. of Jason Alexander. It is just like, the just, I hate them. They clash with the movie as badly as Miko and Flit do with Pocahontas, but it's like, at least Miko and Flit are like out in the world. Like these guys are just in the tower. Like Quasimodo's clearly insane. No one else is like, they don't have any, I just hate them so much. So this had a lot of tonal inconsistencies. It was trying to be all big and serious, but then also Jason Alexander is a gargoyle. But the story is based on Notre Dame de Paris by Victor Hugo which is a big serious novel about how awful people are to each other and like basically everyone in it dies. Right. Um, And so Disney makes it into this way more hopeful story, which is part of the bad reviews, like the reviews for this movie, like a lot of the stuff that people didn't like was like how much it was changed from um, the original Notre Dame de Paris. Yeah. Victor Hugo, if that name is familiar, also wrote Les Mis. Mm-hmm. So he does the whole big, dark, scary French thing very well. Um, it was written in 1831. And at the time, Notre Dame was already over 500 years old, but it was falling apart because it just wasn't being taken care of. Like like uh, architectural preservation wasn't mm-hmm. really a thing yeah, they at didn't that care. point. It was just a big old building. And Victor Hugo's whole thing 
and I just think this is like interesting history on this. Like his whole reason for writing Notre Dame de Paris is to bring attention back to the building. Mm-hmm. Like the book is like about the architecture to a big extent. Like it's really trying to like make it so that people would take care of the building. That's like his goal. So it's, it like is very about that. And it worked in 1845. They renovated the cathedral, um, which is most yeah. cool. Like they actually, like he actually did contribute to like make it a thing in the cultural zeitgeist through your story. Mm-hmm. And then, convince the french government to like deal with it oh yeah just start like actually putting some money into it yeah (laughs) yeah um which is very cool and there's a lot of adaptations of this story um Mm. and the original story is not so much focused on this like uplifting of marginalized groups thing that the adaptations are like the disney movie if anything is more based on uh like the play of this that came that actually I think Victor yeah. Hugo wrote the play as well. Probably. Um, but it's more based on the adaptations. Um like the it was it was definitely there and it seems too whimsical to to be something that Victor Hugo would have written. Like it's just it's too happy. Well right. But like the the racism piece like I don't know. It's like the original like wasn't that much about. And by the way, I full disclosure have not read this. I researched it, but mm-hmm. I have not actually read Notre Dame de Paris. Um, Nor but have I. the uh, from what I understand, the story is like not as much about uplifting of marginalized groups, but the racism is definitely still a thing. Like Esmeralda in the end of the book is discovered not to be Romani, but kidnapped as a baby and like therefore can be like a character we like. Oh, okay. Like, mm. yuck. Like, that's happening. Yeah. So, yeah. um, what I did find interesting in my research here is that Esmeralda's goat is uh, part of the original story. Yes. Yeah. Another animal sidekick. <laughs> but, like, that was that Victor Hugo wrote. I found that yeah. really because, like, it's probably the shittest animal sidekick. Like, oh, for sure, dude. Right behind Hey Hey. Because I'm sorry, oh. Hey Hey stands, but I fucking hate Hey Hey. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't wait to get to that movie. Uh, well, okay, so now that we're on this, um, and because this does basically tie so much into like sidekicks and uh you know the architecture and everything, I do feel like it is important because we are talking about when this was originally written. In the original novel, they are not actually referred to as gargoyles. For those of you who know any kind of historical architecture or architectural history, you'll know that a gargoyle is actually specifically used as draining or it's drainage to pull water from the building. Uh, their name is actually yeah. derived from gargil, which means to gargle what the actual statues in, in this movie, Hugo Victor, Victor Hugo and Laverne are technically called grotesques, which were stone demons and monsters that were supposed to keep evil spirits away from the building. But we've just kind of lumped them all together with this huge thing. And I feel like I don't I want to read the book just to find out if he does actually call them grotesques or calls them gargoyles. This is just a little thing for me. But I would think it's really interesting if he focused so much on bringing attention back to the building, but still calls them gargoyles. I don't think uh, he would then, but I, I think that would 
I don't know whether that word existed in the 1830s. Yeah. First of all, I would have to look that up. And second of all, you'd be talking about translations from the French. So who knows? Oh, I know. I, like, yeah, that's... yeah, that's like a whole other – like I have no idea whether he – I I don't know. But um, yeah. so that's your Notre Dame is lesson. most cool. Notre Dame is, is very cool. It's awesome that this was the result of this story being written because mm-hmm. like – I mean, it's a big touristy spot, and obviously, I haven't been there since it burned down, right? Because it did. Well, no one the, can go in right now. Yeah. There was the fire, but mm-hmm. prior to the fire, uh, Notre Dame was very, very cool. It was very cool. It wasn't as black on the inside. Um, it's you very, know, <laughs> very pretty. It has flying buttresses. It is a very, very cool thing. Um, so yay that it didn't like rot or whatever and fall apart which it probably would have without victor hugo because that was like not a thing can you imagine like it how definitely would have that we weren't preserving old stuff like it's a miracle we still have anything like the uh, yeah the shit. only re- like i think scientifically the only reason we have the coliseum still is because it is so massive coliseum's very cool yeah but like if you look around it Oh, shit, every like, other Greece visit, everything is destroyed. It's on the ground. There's nothing there. This, what the fuck? Like this movie, I just want to address the weird before we get into like character deep dives. Yeah. Um, I want to address how weird it is for Disney to do religion. Because very. in our very first episode of this podcast, if you recall, mm-hmm. when I was recording on my Apple AirPods a million years ago. <laughs> I was there <laughs> 3,000 years ago. There. So unbelievable. In the first episode of this podcast, we clocked uh, Snow White saying her prayers. Mm-hmm. And we said, I wonder how often this happens in Disney. We'll have to keep track. We'll mm-hmm. have to look out. We'll have to do a prayer count. And I got to say, guys, it has been like two years and like a billion episodes. And um, the prayer count is one. Yeah. Unless you count Geppetto, which I don't. No, because so, he's wishing to a star. He's not, yeah, yeah. And, and then the star turns out to be an actual like mythical fairy creature. So I don't consider that to be praying to God. Uh, that became its own fantasy genre really fast. Um, but in this one, obviously, this movie is very overtly religious and the story is religious and the original is religious. And that's the point. And that's mm-hmm. and there's nothing obviously wrong with that. I just think it's it just is like, whoa. Like thinking about that, like Disney doesn't really touch this. Yeah. It's also very much right in your face. They're not subtle about it in any way. I mean, he lives in the cathedral. So it's kind of like there's only so much you can like not make it about that. I just I just think it's interesting that it's all this time in Disney. Mm -hmm. You know, this is like a really long time. Uh, Like it's been like. 40 years of Disney at this point when this comes out and in 40 years they haven't done anything and I just I don't it doesn't necessarily mean anything or it doesn't it doesn't carry or lack value I just think it's interesting that it's not something that Disney touches even like they won't again ever after this yeah I don't think so um and it's just something that you don't really associate with Disney of like they're it's so family and wholesome and I would have before doing this podcast, never been like, oh yeah, Disney doesn't do religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they really don't. Um, so I just thought that was kind of interesting that this this movie's like doing themes that don't really exist outside in an overt way outside of this movie within Disney. Um, but yeah. it's also just like it's just so jarring and it's just like 
it's there's so much racism and like ableism and it's just like and sex. Oh my god, yeah. And I get that we're like that the point of the movie is to say that those things are bad, which is great. Um I don't know. It's just like some really deep shit in a movie that has like gargoyles and all of this running around. Like it was just, it's just like, I get why people do like it, I guess. Like the, when I hear people say that they do like it, it's like, I like the darker tone. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. And I I watch black cauldron then. (laughs) Wasn't that weird. That was crazy. (laughs) But like, I get it. Like, and we've been saying this the whole fucking time we've been recording, but like, this isn't going to be fun. There are parts of this movie that I do enjoy. And I do like that it is very serious. And I do like to avoid these the stereotypical villains are cool, evil is cool um, trope. Frollo from the jump is designed to be hated, which is I think it's important that we talk about this uh, briefly for a moment because we just had this discussion on Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Where before this, we have loved every just about every Marvel villain that has showed up. They are cool in some way. They are awesome and this and that and the other. No, fuck no, dude. Everybody hates the high evolutionary. That's why I think Furlough's like popular in the parks and stuff. Like he is like a super bad, bad guy. Like it's but yeah, this darker tone is is odd and it's just such like I don't know. I just was like, whoa, like we're handling, we're tackling this like head on. Holy shit, Disney. Like that's like yeah. really aggressive. Like I don't think I needed to see that on my screen and then to have it like try and like the tonal inconsistencies. And I'm just like, I don't know that this story is for animation. I don't know why this was the story that was chosen. Like of all the fairy tales still out there, like why? It's not a fairy tale. It's because they wanted to do because because Jets Jeffrey Katzenberg would like an Oscar. What's an Oscar, why. man? Yeah, they yeah. were like, "What can we do within our medium that can be like serious enough to be Best Picture?" And I'm like, "Dude, then choose Beowulf, choose Midnight no, in the this, Summer, but, or- but make it all go all the way." Mm. You know what I mean? Or or not this? I don't know, man. It's I don't know. I don't know. Let's talk about Esmeralda. No. <laughs> She, Jasmine, and Pocahontas Holy are so sexualized. Uh, Esmeralda's probably the biggest offender here. Not, well, okay. Yeah. The creators of Esmeralda are the biggest offenders here. Um, so I want you guys to know, there hasn't been uh, somebody animated like this with range of motion like this, with emphasis on like hips and moving and hip thrust and stuff like that. Hasn't at all. And we won't see this again until Road to El Dorado with Chell, which is not a mm. Disney movie. It's DreamWorks. But it was so uncomfortable from the minute I started watching this movie. I was like, this this is weird. Someone had to draw this. Like, and their plan was that it was for kids. And it's just mm. very like it's just gross the way that Disney does this to its women of color. Like pretty exclusively. Yeah. Like they only have women of color doing this um and and she and pocahontas are for sure esmeralda and pocahontas like the worst defenders of the renaissance if not of ever and this is called out super directly right like she's she's dancing she's like all the guys are like dropping their their uh chins and stuff or whatever Mm -hmm. um their jaws dropping their jaws jaws, tired um (laughs) 
but Frollo like basically threatens to sexually assault her at one point. So like it's very like it's it's very much in the forefront. It's not. Yeah, really his villain it. song literally talks about it. In fact, they had to change the way she's animated in the Hellfire song because her clothing wasn't prominent enough. And the MPAA was like, what the fuck, dude? You have a naked woman dancing in this dude's hand. We're going to put a stop to that right yeah, fucking now. What the fuck? Well, and yeah, it's that's the whole thing is that she, like, Frollo wanting to bang her is like the impetus for the plot. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of that happening. Um, and it's, it's a shame that like, that's what this character is kind of known for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't feel like this movie like did a good job. I don't know. I don't know. If, I'm trying to, I, like, I know a lot of our character. listeners like it that, right. So I'm trying to like, not because yeah. <laughs> we already have prior to recording have received feedback saying we like this. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, here was, here's what it is. I think there's just like, there's no other than Quasimodo who for some reason gets completely sidelined for the majority of this movie. No one really has any character development. And this does keep uh, keep with the uh, Disney trope that I don't think they're aware of, but they do it every time, that the woman is right the whole time. Esmeralda learns yeah, nothing. She is right from the beginning. That. Yeah, she's ready to go. She's on the right side of everything here. Yep. Phoebus has his come around aha moment after he falls in love and creates this love rhombus, whatever the fuck it is, love triangle, square, I don't, there's so many people involved in this. Like I, but Quasimodo really doesn't learn anything other than, oh, the world's not so super crazy and scary. And Frollo's like, I'm dead. So that's, (laughs) I don't know. I I guess like the main, yeah, like the main plot, like what's really going on here is where Esmeralda gets to shine, which is like the justice themes, right? She's yeah. a justice. Like yeah. she's kind of a badass, right? Like we got to give her that. Um, and she does actually have like a lot of agency. And like mm-hmm. you say, she's like kind of right the whole time. And she does a lot to help the other Romani who are like weirdly the focus of the story, but it's like, like I had forgotten that before this watch that like Quasimodo is like barely the main character. It's not really about him. It's really about them and their uh, persecution. But what's super weird is that like it's basically only Frollo that's the problem. Hi, it's yes. you. You're the problem. It's you. Yeah. Because even time, Phoebus, like, agrees. right when they get there, even Phoebus is like, "Who cares? Let them. Why are we getting involved in this?" It's like once he's gone, they're just like welcomed into society. And I'm like, that's not how systematic racism works in (laughs) Disney. Like, it's not – Frollo's not the only person creating this like system of oppression. Like, what the fuck? And that is what I don't love about this is the way that when you're – if you're going to take – and Pocahontas did the same thing, this like really serious theme around systematic racism, which Mm -hmm. is what we're talking about – Getting rid of one person doesn't end it. That's not how that works. They're not just like one bad guy. And if you just can like get Trump out of office, it'll all stop. That's not. Well, yeah. How, I mean, Frollo's not, not a Horcrux. Like, it's not. That's not yeah, how it fucking true. works. Like, yeah. Like. And I think it minimizes these things and it makes it super kid friendly, which I get. It makes it digestible. It makes it like a lesson you can learn. But I'm like, so then make it fucking Zootopia and not 
that like I I think that these themes are handled way the fuck better in Zootopia, and I think I said the same thing in the Pocahontas review. Like you did, but for me, it's just the issue for me is just taking that like big, um, big issue concept like like systematic oppression yeah. and try to make it so that there's just one bad guy and then it's over instead of like showing how complex that is just kind of gets yeah. under my skin. Like I just, here's the other issue is like, you're trying to throw this like overarching story in there. But in the meantime, you're also like, Hey, by the way, uh, Quasimodo's in love with you. Well, okay. So let's talk about the love fucking square. That's happening <laughs> the love movie. rhombus. Yeah. Yeah. What is happening with the love rhombus? Why is this happening? Dude. So it's, first of all, I want to say right off the bat, it's just, it's so weird that you wouldn't have him at least get, cause like Quasimodo genuinely has no happy ending. He, along with the rest of the room. I'm like, hold your, hold your applause yeah. on that conversation. We're going to be getting there. <laughs> but like the love triangle is weird. Phoebus and Esmeralda. I totally get because right from the jump, when we meet Phoebus, he's not a dick. He's not an asshole. He's not persecuting these people because of the way they are, where they're from or whatever. Yeah. I like their love story. And I'm like, what are you doing in this other movie? Like, why are like, what does Quasimodo have to do with any of this? Which again, I will save my thoughts. Like we're going to talk about why Quasimodo's in this movie. Cause it really should be about these guys. Right? Like this is what, this is the Renaissance movie that wasn't just like this, this, this would have been cool. Like save my people. And there could have been a more complicated story around the politics that would have been more satisfying to me. And like, so we'll talk about Quasimodo's like lack of agency in the plot, but with the love square, it's like, he's Flynn Ryder before Flynn Ryder. Phoebus is Flynn Ryder before Flynn Ryder. He's funny. He's charismatic. He is supposed to be there. I get it. And he and Esmeralda are always hot for each other. Oh, like yeah. They totally make sense. But mm-hmm. Quasimodo is just like so friend-zoned. It's so oh, sad. Oh, he's friend-zoned the minute he meets her, dude. It's – oh, Jesus. first act of the movie is about him singing songs of like, do you think she could ever like me? I don't think she could yeah. because I'm so ugly and like – but maybe she could. And then it's like, no. No, we're not even going to talk about this ever again. Like, why It's just like immediately. And I, I understand that it's like he kind of – finds like you know acceptance and all of the things and like it but wasn't does really he, about him and he's like has i i don't know we're gonna talk about him in more detail but beauty like, was the friendship they made along the way like it's <laughs> what uh. i really hate though is that it's like it's explicitly about how he looks he has a whole musical number about how he doesn't think that she'll yeah. be into him because of his looks and then she never does anything to dispossess him of this. Like nope. she, there's no conversation about it. It doesn't come full circle. He just says, well, no one could ever love me because I have like a physical deformity and therefore um, no one will ever love me. And his friends, the imaginary gargoyles are like, totally, everything will be fine. See what happens. All the things, sing the song. And then Esmeralda's like, honey, no. Like, yeah. and it's like, well, what the fuck lesson is that? Like, and it's, it's like, no, you are ugly and no one will ever love you. Like, that's what that's what Jeffrey Katzenberg said, you guys. No one will ever love you unless it's a little girl handing you a flower at the end of the movie. And it's like, no, he's not going to find love. I mean, I think it's why they had to, like, make up for that in the second movie. I don't know. But it's just like, that's so weird. And I hate the message. And, and Esmeralda never has like a fact check where she's like, dude, it's, it's not about how you look. I've been in love with this guy. He's my person. She just is like, it's fine. They just never revisit his assumptions about why she won't love him. It's just, we're told to go home. Nine-year-old me was told to go home and be like, you're right. 
no one would ever love Quasimodo. He's horrible. And it's like, <laughs> I can't believe Jeffrey Katzenberg sent me home with that takeaway. Here's, and then we finally, we round out this, <laughs> this quadrilateral. Um, I almost said quadruple. Uh, with Frollo, who. Right. That's why it's a square, not a triangle, because Frollo's whole yeah. anger, it seems. It seems that is all the this f- institutional racism isn't even really the motivation. It's because he wants yeah. to bang this one girl. Yeah, Esmeralda's the fire in his loins, man. And he just goes off the rails about it. Yeah. yeah. Like, if I can't have her, no one can have her. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not how relationships work. So literally the plot, the villain plot of this movie is that if he can't have her, no one can. And he's like, you're going to marry me, right? Like, even at the end, and she's like, what? Yeah, like, she's, she's like, like fucking ast- high? She's astounded that this is, like, what's been going on. Like, she has no idea that that's, like, where his motivation is coming from. Uh, so am I. <laughs> but what it, what it does, which is a good segue for us is set up the sort of foily relationship between Quasimodo and Frollo. Yeah. Like those two, like that's kind of the, and again, I think the movie's trying to do something that it fails to do. It's like almost there, but it's trying so hard, but it doesn't get it. That it's like embarrassing. And it's like, it it wants to get to a place where it's really com- doing like a juxtaposition of how Quasimodo and Frollo handle their love of Esmeralda when she doesn't love either of them. It's so tough. It's so tough. I'm trying to be so nice right now. <laughs> I just don't get it, dude. I, I don't. If there was ever a poster movie for Stockholm Syndrome, it's this movie. It is absolutely not Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, dude. It, it is this. Master. Like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, he that even makes Quasimodo acknowledge in front of him that the world will never accept him. He's hideous. He's only safe here within, with inside the walls. And it's like there once upon a time, there was a girl trapped in a tower like this. And then Disney was like, what if we gave her magic hair? And it's the same fucking thing, except she's not schizophrenic and talks to fucking stone. No, she has like a really 10 out of 10 sidekick and like, yeah, she great does. Pascal. Numbers. Can't wait to do that movie. I know that one's like yeah. really high on your list. I love that movie. So I me there. Um, it's not quite father son. Like I would never peg this as like father son. It's more like creepy uncle. Your parents died in a car accident kind of thing. Yeah, totally. It's very um, lemony snicket, isn't it? Very. Okay. That's a really good, really good comparison. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. I got you on the lemony snicket reference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's uh it's it's weird um and it's super gross and it's also like why why is quasimodo like going along with any of this he's an adult like yeah. it's like stated that he's in his 20s and it's like what's frollo going to do to you like i get that quasimodo's scared of him i get that he's been like you know abused by him his whole life like i understand that he has stockholm syndrome 
But it's like, what's he going to do that he hasn't already done to you to ruin your life? Like, and but then it's like he chains him up later. So it's like, oh, I guess this. Um, but it's just like, why does why does Frollo care what Quasimodo does if they don't have like nobody knows that they have a relationship? Frollo like keeps Quasimodo in the tower and nobody knows about him. Right. Except for the the like the priests, like the guys who are running. Yeah, the they know he's there. Well, right, because he does all the stuff for them, right? He has like a whole. That's why he's so strong. By the way, the movie never directly explains it, but he's so strong because he's the one that's uh, pulling the chains for the bells. Yeah, that makes sense because he mm. is freakishly strong. In yeah, this. they even which Phoebus I regret says the it. use of that word, right? I think that's where they want us to go. Like, yeah, it feels very like part of the gross, right? Doesn't mm. it feel kind of ick when you think about it? Like, like, ew, dude, why? Like, you look like that, but you're hella strong. Like, what the fuck? No, no, that like that that it's part of a deformity that he's like that. That he's that strong, and his arms are oh, that big. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it feels yeah. like part of the yuck factor in Quasimodo. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know what to think of it, but like, but I don't really understand why why Frollo gives a shit what Quasimodo does and whether he goes out in public. Like it's not like he has any magic hair for yeah. Frollo to steal. Like why does Frollo fucking care what Quasimodo does? So I'll I'll see your question and I'll raise you a question. Why does he even keep him? No, there's no there's no, no answer. Why? I he even tells the peasant woman that gives him because he's about to kill him, by the way, guys. This movie almost starts with infant death. Like, right. infant murder. Uh, and then he's like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> For some reason, I'm going to keep him in the tower and things. And treat him like shit. <laughs> like, that's it's just like, it's such a weird... As far as relationships go in this movie, it's the only one that feels like it could be based on a real thing that happens out in the world. Quasimodo is kept ignorant of the way that the world works. All he knows is what Frollo tells him, which is why he's like afraid to be seen. But like, dude, he's, that's all he's known. Eventually, like we're human beings by nature are social creatures. That's why I genuinely think he has schizophrenia. <laughs> it, it just, I know, right? Like. <laughs> Yeah, that tracks. There's well, because no there's way else magical in the world. It's just Dude, like that's oh, what I'm also the gargoyles yeah, are real. Like, way, like I can let Pocahontas get away with uh, Miko being able to sword fight with Flit because it's hilarious, but he's still a raccoon and it's well, still a hummingbird. But, they're animals. Yeah, she, Esmeralda has like the goat she talks to. Like if he had like I don't know a gathering of rats or something, it probably yeah. would have been really depressing. Like whatever it lives, really would like, have been. he would have like pigeons. And there would have been there, like. Oh, but it would have been a great reason to give one of them the name Rizzo. That would have been so funny. <laughs> it would have been pigeons. It would have been pigeons that live up in the cathedral. Anyway, back to Quasimodo. Um, yeah, my dude's like a super soldier. And I just, the the scene that we, that we kick off with him um, down in the square when he like first goes out for the day and he's like, I'm going to do yeah. it. I'm going to leave and see the world. And it's very like Jasmine goes to the market kind of thing. Right. But it's during the Festival of Fools, mm-hmm. and it just feels genuinely irresponsible on the part of Disney. Like, yeah. how are we? It was just so harrowing. Like, just everyone's like, when they find out that his face is in a mask, which yeah, I'm like, Esmeralda tries to take it off. not that, like, yeah. it's not that serious. Like, it's not fucking Red Skull in there. Like, it's... <laughs> 
It's just such yeah. a bad message, dude. Like, and it's so in your face and it's for kids and it's a cartoon. And I think that's weird. It's like, I think that's part of what I don't like about this. If you're going to have these kind of themes, it needs to be A, Zootopia, uh, or B, not for kids and, and not with enough context. And it's just well, not so, in, like, what's going on? Like, Not in your face so the way it is. Yeah. The, Make the, it so it's a subtle theme that goes a little bit over their heads or mm-hmm. – or, like or everybody or add more context. It's not, this is not like for kids, and but it's marketed for kids. And that's obnoxious yeah. to me. Make a movie that's like a little bit more adult, and and if that's what you want, Katzenberg, like you could do that. They yeah. just couldn't. I don't know, man. I just thought it was like when they're all they find out that it's not a mask, and they're screaming and they're throwing rotten vegetables at him, and like it's like genuinely harrowing. Mm-hmm. It's um, creepy. It's. I, it's as off-putting as later on in the movie when he's chained up and like struggling to like break free. Like that's it's so weird that this is the message they're trying to send is like, oh yeah, regular people wouldn't accept him. If you if you and your kids were walking down the street and you saw something like that and you thought it was a mask and you tried to take it off, no, you're gonna freak out too. Yeah, this is totally a thing. And, yeah. and it's just and but I get that they're showing it as a bad thing, and the people do turn yeah. around in the end. But I just think if yeah, you're but it going takes a whole movie. It, yeah, but if I, just, I think that's okay. If that's the point of the movie, I think that's okay. But I think if you're going to tackle this and make it this overt, then you better find a better context for it. Then and Frollo's dead, and everyone loves the Romani. Like, that's yeah. not what would it like. I that's a little bit much for me. Or now everyone's fine with Quasimodo, and it's like you weren't, and it had nothing to do with Frollo, and it was crazy that Frollo was like. The catalyst for all this, the horcrux of the whole city. Yeah. Like, well, no, like the way that he says, like, hey, if you go out in the world, people are going to treat you like shit. It's going to be really bad. And the fact that that's not gaslighting, like that's not manipulation to keep him the way that in Rapunzel. Oh, no, that it's 100% true. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, I think Rapunzel's a great uh, comparison here because in that one, they tell her, if you go out there, it's going to be a nightmare. And she finds out that she's been abused and gaslit forever. Quasimodo gets there and finds out that that's completely correct. That mm-hmm. honestly, for everything the movie's showing us, Frollo's doing him a favor. For the and most it, part, and yeah. his narration is his narrative of this is totally true that he's like saved Quasimodo. And I'm just like, man, like that sucks. Like, I would have thought we would like not do that like it was it was very strange and very adult and i get that people like that uh darker tone but it's like i have a really hard time with mixing that with like the gargoyles and with the kind of the fact that it's a kids movie like i'm like this is so i don't know well and Um, it's weird to have the villain right from the jump like to be right Right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, it was very strange. And in other contexts, I would say it's like brave, interesting storytelling. Mm-hmm. Right? But it's, in this, this is just the wrong story context, to tell. I don't like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and even Esmeralda, like you called this out earlier, calls him a creature when she's rescuing mm-hmm. him from the crowd. Like even the character who's supposed to be nice is like still calls him a monster, even yeah. though she's nice to him. And it's like. But then that it doesn't sucks. come up again later. Like when she does actually have conversations with him, which again is a very awesome time for them to absolutely in no way, shape or form have her address that he's clearly into her. Um, and she's not in any way, but it's, and I, I keep going back to this, but he, the only thing he learns is to stand up for himself. But even then Frollo was still right. Frollo was still like, Dude, the, the people are not going to accept you. They're going to be terrified of you. So, yeah, maybe his like 
Warden is gone now, but there's no reason that the people should have been like, the Emperor's gone! The Emperor! And like now they're like, oh, dude, this guy's like, he was chill. Remember that dude that was in the festival? Because you got to remember, too, most of these people have not seen Quasimodo since the Festival of Fools. So they know nothing about what's been going on this whole time. They're just like, oh, fuck, dude, that whole building's on fire. Yeah, right. Well, honestly, like nothing's been happening except for like the usual persecution of the Romani. Yeah. Like all Quasimodo does in that is like help get Esmeralda to safety and then out Mm. of the, he just like helps people come in and out of the cathedral. And he's just in Notre Dame being like, yeah, I totally have all the rules of Notre Dame down. Like you guys (laughs) need safe haven. Like you can come to Notre Dame and me and my, you know, you can watch me be schizophrenic with the gargoyles. and all (laughs) Yeah. That's like his function in the movie. That's it's kind of all he does until I guess in the end, he does help. Uh, What's Phoebus. Phoebus. Mm. Um, he does help, I guess. Well, Phoebus gets fucked up, man. He's like hella injured. Yeah, he helps um, save his life and gives him safe haven. And then he, but when they have, they go to, is it they go to warn Esmeralda them or they go to rescue them after? Oh, he tries to leave to warn him. And that's when Frollo finds out. He goes yeah. and warns her and comes back. And Frollo's like, where the fuck have you been? They follow the map. Yeah. Right. And that leads them into the final conflict. Yeah. Uh, so he's like part of the end fight and he's like Esmeralda's ride or die and he helps everybody out a lot. But like the main <laughs> story really isn't about him. Uh, and it's it is odd. Um, yeah. the, the real thing that he does kind of like I said earlier is this the theme that they actually do a good job of because the Rolo stuff is good of this like internal versus external monsterism. Yeah. Like who's what makes you a monster? Yeah. Right. And so it's like Quasimodo. Outwardly. This is the problem with the movie. The movie tells us that Quasimodo is a monster outwardly, which I'm like, that's not the story of acceptance we want. Right. But it tells us that. And then it tells us, but he's a good guy. So that doesn't matter. Um, And he's really a good one. And then it's like, but Frollo's like, you know, looks good, I guess. um, But is a monster on the inside. And the the way that the two of them handle their pursuit of Esmeralda. And so in that way, I actually like mm-hmm. how they subvert like him getting the girl. I like that they use those two characters as foils for each other and to show like how evil what Frollo's doing is because he's like, and, and he will talk about him in a, in a minute more, but he's like so fraught with these like impure thoughts of wanting Esmeralda and he's so mm-hmm. fraught over it and he's so upset and he's, but then he's like, if I can't have her, no one can, and I'll burn this whole fucking place to the ground. And Quasimodo's like, Oh, if I can't have her, that's a hard bummer, but I'm still going to help them out. <laughs> oh, that's rough. And it's, anyway. yeah, he's like, Oh, sucks to suck. But <laughs> yeah. also, but, and what I don't like about, about it is the uncorrected message that the reason she's not into him is his looks. Yeah. Cause right? he never gets addressed again. We, yeah, we don't know why. Saying. She's just like, Phoebus is on a horse and he's got armor. And, oh, my God. Yeah. They just And the fact that he openly holds that assumption, right? Yeah. It is part the of time. the narrative is like, she won't love me because of the way I look. And then she's like, yeah, I don't love you and, and corrects none of it. Yep. I don't like that. But I do kind of enjoy the fact that he doesn't get the girl and that there's this sort of foil between him and Furlo of like how they handle that unrequited love for the same person. That I think was done well. That was good. Yeah, I think you kind of have to have that happening. Otherwise it doesn't really make sense because like the whole thing is like you have these interests 
in Esmeralda from two sides. Because obviously, like, if you're watching this, you're like, dude, she's going to end up in the soldier because the soldier is the good looking prince, charming character. But it's like, okay, she's going to friend zone that dude. And then why is the bad guy into her? And then the bad guy's like, I've got a bop for that. Hold on. Yeah. And it is a bop. It is a bop. Hellfire is a bop. Yeah. Hellfire is probably one of the best songs in this movie. Um, probably the. Yeah, it actually probably is the. Just because Topsy Turvy is weird. Um, his next his, one I kind of like, Quasimodo's I Want Song. Quasimodo's I Want Song isn't terrible. It's out there. Uh, the song is called Out There. Um, the problem with it is the beginning of the song, the first minute or so, is literally him being told by Frollo that he's a freak and he can't go outside and everyone's going to hate him. And Quasimodo's like, you're right. Gotcha. And then he goes up outside and he's like, I don't care about that. I want to go outside. Sama, 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 sama. <laughs> sama, sama, sama. <laughs> Sounds like Spanish ma. Um, But like... <laughs> He like, he has that's, no- that's kind of <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, oh my god. We just want you back. I'm <laughs> 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 gonna have to watch that again. Oh my god! Um, but like it, it perfectly sets up like Frollo's. Oh, dude, he's just a man, and like she is like, and he even says it too in the song. He's like, it's a sin to lust after her. Yeah, that's the whole song. It's like he's afraid he's going to go to hell because yeah. of how hot he is for Esmeralda. And he's like, better marry her because I'm having impure thoughts, right? Yep. Like, and, and he's so fraught with the fact that he's having these thoughts. And then he like lashes out because he doesn't know how to like deal with it inwardly because mm-hmm. he's like super toxic. masculine. no idea where to go with it. It's weird that you can find more realism in Frollo and Frollo's story throughout this whole movie than you can in Quasi- and everything that Quasimodo goes through. I just, I think the theme of this episode is that this was just the wrong story. It's just not quite, it's just like not quite. Nothing lands. Yeah, it's not landing. It's there's, it's trying for a lot of things. And it reminds me of Pocahontas. It's, it's, it's an yeah. obvious Oscar grab in my mind. And oh, I big just, time. I, I'm really trying not to just rag on it because I do know that a lot of people listening like this movie. And I get it. I get that it's like that the heavier, darker themes are are good in a lot of ways. I understand why the score is nominated. Um, it does look great. Yes, There's it does. There's a lot, like the caps is used very, very well in this movie. Stuff yeah. looks good. Characters, a little They're hit or miss. Like during Topsy Turvy. The hair's not great. Yeah. Esmeralda's hair's not great. There's a couple, like it's well, that's not because her hair never moves. It's always just there. But she looks, re- which you know they can do better. Like Ariel's hair looks better than this. Like there's, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just certain, but the way that like when Quasimodo like swings over the square, mm-hmm. over Notre Dame, like that's cool. Like Surfing the way he on traverses the, the viaduct space. and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like the water looks really good. Um, we're always looking at that. Like a lot of this looks really good. And I get why the darker tone is good. And I, I, I just felt like it was weird like i just it just it it was so close but you know it didn't have any like really fun songs either like i kind of am like it's too dark for a disney movie it just doesn't belong in disney it just wasn't quite they either needed to go all the way out Mm -hmm. and ditch the gargoyles and all the rest of it everything that was goofy. yeah get all the goofy shit out of there all of it all of the goofy uh or 
they needed to goof it way more up and make yeah. it a lot. Have the animals talk or something, or In everyone can yeah. talk to the gargoyles or some shit. Yeah, whatever. Get rid of the gargoyles, no matter what. Either way, they should go. But like yeah. d- to d- something to make it um, again to compare it to a Zootopia, which handles yeah. this kind of stuff really, really well, uh, and just more fun. Just yeah. a little more, a little more Giselle in your life, uh, or Giz- it's Gazelle, Gazelle that's supposed to be Giselle, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> God, I love that movie. Here's the other thing that's weird—not weird, but like the movie keeps with that tradition of having a big name singer sing one of the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do, we have that again with Bette Midler uh, singing "God Help the Outcasts." Um, but yeah, no, Hellfire is like really dark, though. That's the mm-hmm. bop, and it's like super intense, right? Yeah. Like. It's, it's so it looks good too like that scene's kind does. of awesome like frollo yeah. is good frollo is a great character but again yeah it's it looks awesome fire is one of those things that's super hit or miss in disney movies and this movie does a really good job at the end in the climax making it look like frollo literally is falling into hell like yeah. even he, even he has a schizophrenic moment where the gargoyle he's holding on to start it comes alive. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's the imagery here is really good. The other thing I think is really weird about the music in this is Disney actually pulls a universal on us in this movie. If you guys remember when we did uh Land Before Time. Of course. At no point in the land before time is there an actual song with lyrics in it. It's all score. But then randomly, just like in Pagemaster, uh, there's a song with lyrics at the end of the fucking movie. Yeah. So this weirdly follows this trope of having a song that doesn't appear in the movie close out the credits. And for this movie, it's someday by all for one. Um, <laughs> and it just. The song is, it's about group acceptance and everybody coming together. And I'm like, Nickelback did this so much better, like five years later. <laughs> like, it's just. Please it's, never mention Nickelback to I'm, me again, Scott. I'm doing it all the time, dude. When we get to Transformers, I'm going to tell you some shit about Nickelback. We will not be doing any Transformers after the first movie. And by we, I mean, I won't be involved and you can do whatever you want. That's fine. I anticipated <laughs> as much. I'm like, uh-uh. Anyway, so that's the end of the movie. Um, we have some, uh, we have a few room of requirement things. Um, we have a, a cameo I didn't spot. Just looking at what stuff we haven't already had on. Um, so Disney cameos during Quasimodo's out there scene, we can see Belle walking and reading through the city streets. We also see Pumbaa being carried on a spear by two men and another man in a blue tunic shaking out dust from a carpet that bears a striking resemblance to carpet from Aladdin, which I thought was fucking radical. I'm Uh, excited for uh, these types of Easter eggs in Pixar movies, which I I don't. Well, I don't think you. No, we'll start seeing like A113 and trying to find the Pizza Planet truck and the ball well, no, and but you know how stuff. they all have a easter egg from the next movie we're just not there yet like oh, we pointed yeah. out the a113 in toy story but we're just not into it enough to see the next movie although yeah. i think toy story 2 is the second pixar movie right and then bugs life or is it yes. bugs life then toy story 2 no it's, toy it's, bugs story, life. it's bugs life because toy story 2 closes out the millennium 
Yeah. Because Bugs uh, Life was in 98. Bugs Life is in 98. Yeah. And Toy Story 2, you're right, in 99. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say then in, Toy St- in the first Toy Story, maybe you see the bugs from Bugs Life on a leaf outside when they're outdoors. No, that's, a, that's a, an outtake in Bugs Life from the second one. Because remember, Bugs Life has animated outtakes. Maybe there's, yeah, it does. So maybe there's no, no, I swear that's a thing. Look, I know exactly what part you're thinking of. And they're on a leaf and they're walking across and then they all get thrown off the leaf because it's Buzz buzz Light you're chopping through the grass. Because they always have one for the next movie. Yeah, but I don't think that started until Toy Story 2. Because we knew that Toy Story 3 was coming because of Finding Nemo. No, I don't think there is one until Toy Story 2. So just kidding. But yeah. in Bugs Life, I bet you we see a Toy Story. I bet Easter you we do. Egg. They always have those next ones. Anyway, I'm looking forward to that. Me too. Anyway, <clears throat> the last thing, speaking of villains, uh, this is the last Disney movie to use even mildly adult language, both hell and damn, until a decade later in Cars when they say, they say hell. They say hell. Yeah, probably Which is, what the hell. Yeah, I think they're like what the hell. Yeah. Um, sounds like something Mater would say. But it sounds like something Lightning McQueen would say. Maybe Lightning. Yeah. What the hell? Um, yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do think it's funny though that that comes up because Maleficent says hell in Sleeping Beauty when she turns into a dragon. She tells Prince Philip that now you'll face me and all the powers of hell. Yeah, that's true. But that's like the literal like hell like well yeah. Down. Right, yeah. it's not being used as an expletive. True. Um, but yeah, that is it's it's not surprising that we see that. I mean, do they use it outside of like No, it's in Hellfire. It's only then, the word hell that they use in this, right? Or do they say No, well damned, no, because Frollo like, says that they'll about. be damned. Yeah, it's so it's again, it's interesting that it's it's uh religious stuff. It's yeah. not expletives. It's like the actual proper name of like that which is just wild like I really found it interesting that they were like just nonchalantly had religion in their movie when they avoid it so hard all the time. Yeah. Like, there's so many fucking false deities in Disney. Like how many it's like things do people Hercules yeah, like, and the I, entire pantheon and like all yeah. Well, I wasn't thinking about Hercules. That's um that's true that but it's just not a Christianity thing. It's just different. Oh, I see it's what you're saying. The Greek pantheon is different to me. Right. I don't think of it as being especially religious. Um, because there aren't, it's not a currently active religious group, right? I don't think. Well, no, at this point it's mythology. Like, yeah, exactly. It's not really religion anymore. It's myth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but no, just, it's just interesting to see them tackle it. Cause most of what you see in Disney is like, what I mean by false deities is like wishing on a star. And like, what about the will of the wisp? Will it show me like all <laughs> these things that are like, they could be considered like if you just put a different name on it, but Disney puts a different name on it and it's not God. And in this one it is. And it's obviously, uh, you know, a result of the setting, but wild that this is here wild that like Esmeralda isn't the main character, like the, like the Romani plate is not the main thing happening. Like Quasimodo just, and it is the main thing happening, but the movies there's, we spent like the whole first act of the movie with Quasimodo. And then it's like, He's accepted by the townsfolk in the end, I guess, but like, it's not really. The movie's just very weirdly not about him. This was just like didn't it did yeah. not work. Whatever they were trying to do here was a, did not work for me. Um, what did you rate this? 
I gave this a four out of ten. Like it's such a burn. It I just dude, it's the lowest rating we've had of anything in I know, a while. In a while, dude. And it genuinely it's because I can't nail down what the lesson of this movie is. Is it yeah. like not to have lustful thoughts? Is it like not to go after your homie's girl? Or is it like get friend zoned and <laughs> you're gonna be okay? Zone. Yeah, like No, it's justice. The theme of the movie is justice. You sure? No. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, what the fuck? It is a theme of the movie. Well, yeah. It's also like a weird movie that tries to mask racism under a single person learning acceptance. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It just I should have said it this way in the beginning, but it's not my favorite. I can understand why some people would enjoy this movie. I would probably never watch this again unless somebody put it on and I just met them 10 minutes ago and didn't yeah. feel comfortable telling them. I'd I don't want to be watch really, this. really, really trying to impress somebody to watch this one again. I mean, you guys yeah. re- remember when I watched like 14 Tinkerbell movies and I wouldn't oh, watch the sequel shit, for this. Dude. Like, I, yeah, like yeah. I, I agree. I, uh, I guess. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to rate it because I think there's some stuff that works. Like I think I'm going to go a little. Well, that's why I gave it a little bit higher. I think I'm going to give it a five, Um, because there is some stuff that works. I like the dichotomy between Quasi and Frollo. I like that Quasi like stands up for himself in the end, but I don't like all the things that I said before that I didn't like uh, for the last hour and forty three minutes. And um. Yeah, I think I think this would have been a lot better if they had been aiming less for the Oscar because I think a tighter movie does a better job of being up for the Oscar. Like, think about Beauty and the Beast. Like, um, it wasn't up, trying. Are good examples or yeah. Toy Story? Well, Toy Story three is like a monolith, but like, they're yeah. no, they're they're trying in their own way, but their story is tight. What they do with Hunchback here is try to tackle too much. Uh, with yeah, too little, it. they do not have the arsenal in these animated characters to take on what they were trying to take on in this movie. And if they had limited to just Quasimodo's story about acceptance, or just Esmeralda's, but preferably Quasimodo's, because I think the the large scale, uh, like persecution of the Romani was too big of a thing for them to take on, even though it's crucial yeah. to the original material. So it's like again, like you said, it's not really the right story. Like if they had just kept it tighter i think this could have been the oscar winner that they wanted just like beauty and the beast was tight yeah it you know like and and up is a tight story it has a couple different threads but they all follow the same major themes well yeah it's a tight story and this story is just there's a lot happening and i just i don't think they quite got there i it's it yeah, I well, and their stories like intermingle too. Like in Beauty and the Beast, it's like Beast just wants someone to love, and Belle's looking for someone that she can love for her, that will love her for who she is. And those two come together really nicely. This is like Quasimodo wants just to meet people. Esmeralda wants freedom for her people. Phoebus just wants Esmeralda. Esmeralda, and it's well, like Phoebus is a good guy. Phoebus is like Phoebus is a good guy. He's like yeah. for the good of France. For the good of France yeah. is what Phoebus wants. So but he that's like. Okay. He honestly probably my favorite in the movie. Like he was great. Oh, he, he was. was. Yeah, I loved him too. If I could rate like underwhelming love interest, who's not the protagonist of the story, <laughs> we'll never see again. Davis gets yeah. a ten out of ten. Yeah, that's great job. Speaking of out of tens, uh, when it comes to villains, weirdly, uh, 
I give Frollo like a 6.8 out of 10 because his, his whole story is stupidly believable, but I give him the 0.8. We're getting into the era where this is going to start becoming a more common thing of all of the Disney villains that we've had so far. And we will have in the future. His has to be one of the top five most gruesome deaths in Disney history. This is the kind of thing that you wanted when you started your like villain death count. Yeah. Yeah. You wanted yeah. this. You're happy. Furlow dies in hellfire. Dude. It's like he, it's not even that. If you think about this, like he's just falling down on burning stuff, but he's falling down on stone and con- it's right up there with, uh, the evil queen. Mm-hmm. Scar and Scar oh my god and Scar Ursula getting impaled and then struck by lightning. Ursula has a really good one. <laughs> I would have given this villain though. What did you say? You said I like said six point eight because he's like he is a good villain and the story does kind of get carried by him and his machinations. I mean, definitely. Like if yeah. if not for him, for like Quasimodo could just like. Walk out the front door. I would give him a seven. I'm bumping up a little. I could give this guy a solid seven. Like, if not even a little higher. Like, he was he was cool. I liked what they did with him. Um, His song's a bop, too. I will give you that. Yeah. Like, it's it's no poor unfortunate souls. Yeah. But it's a very good. Any hoodles down in Whoville. I'm going to get us out of here finally because I got to make dinner and it's somehow for some fucking reason has been two hours. <laughs> I was like, we'll be here for 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, as always, thank you guys all so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed yourselves and maybe even learned something. Uh, clearly we did. Uh, join us next week for Spider-Man across the spider Yay! Yes. <sighs> so excited. I will be so hyped oh i will be too i'm i'm so yeah hyped. i'm pretty fucking stoked for that uh come back for for spider-verse yeah come back for spider-verse subscribe to our shit. send us <laughs> feedback that's exactly how i want to end this subscribe to our shit uh yeah be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts as well as follow us on all of our social media you can find the links for our sites and social media in the episode descriptions if you'd like to support the podcast we'd encourage you to follow us on patreon where you can find our show notes for each episode make sure to check out our websites for all the timeline goodies including request the timeline let us know what you want to see and we'll make it happen captain but until next time guys stay nerdy <laughs>